Ya. Oke, okay, switch partner. Lemon? Yep. Ya, lay down. Oke. Hold on your both hand. Yep. Yeah. Lock your elbow. So, yeah. Straight on. Yeah. Do crunch. Crunch? Yeah. Do crunch? Yeah. Alright, I'll just do one. Can't even do a crunch. There you go. Keep those arms straight. Just little crunches. No, no, don't bend your arm. Keep your arms straight. Go. There you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. Ten more. Ten more. Ten more. Okay, who's next? Yeah, down that. Yeah, yeah, keep like okay, yeah. Okay, it's crunch. <laughs> Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ten more, ten more, ten more. Five more. Three, four, five. Can you do five more? Can you do five more? I'm sure you can. Well, one more, one more. I like that. Two more, two more. One more, one more, one more, one more. One more. Good job. Nice. Okay, Caroline. Yes. I'll be your target. Okay. So. Good. Right, am I doing it? <laughs> mm -hmm. use, use more of your body. Use more body than arm. You want to do this. Okay. Do yeah. <laughs> so, did you feel that your energy got bound up yeah, yeah, at contact? Yeah. The key is don't fight for it. Okay. If you feel that, like, sort of yeah. come to a stalemate, yeah. change direction. Like, am I trying to kind of go through? Yes. But see, oh, yeah, when, yeah, yeah, when that yeah, bound yeah, up yeah. there, when that bound up there, use the other hand. Oh. Like that? Yep. Oh, okay. Good. The so two hands should always work together. Right. You were you were pushing the same direction. So, yeah. So when you redirect, go in a different direction. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like so, I would go like that, but then I would. Yeah. Oh. Because the person's pushing back against you. Yeah. So if you take that away and push force here. Oh, and then you're just encouraging their own movement. Oh, I see. Okay. Aikido in action. Welcome back to the Johnny Tiger Experience Podcast. The best podcast in the world. <laughs> Episode 59.
Today's quote: Yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I aim to change myself. I am Johnny Tiger, and this is my reality. reality. And here we are, back at episode fifty-nine, 
as we rush headlong towards Christmas and all our goodies. I want to remind everyone to pay attention to your families and friends. This is a season where we should really be appreciative of those people around us, and God knows that I appreciate every single one of you for here,、um, being here, listening to me rambling on、uh, when I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know,、um, it it is this time of the year that. As I approach yet another birthday,、uh, exciting stuff. Getting older, survived another year, and all that.、Um, I reflect on my life a lot, and I have to say that I have lived a very charmed, very blessed life. Despite have been a loner for most of my life,、uh, living on my own and struggling on my own, I've always have. Good people around me. I've always have the knack of accumulating a lot of resources where friends and uh, 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 people are concerned. I'm not rich, but I am very wealthy in friendship. And it's almost like anywhere I go, anywhere、uh, I am in my life,、uh, whatever I do, I've always am able to.、Um, At least have a couple of guardian angels looking out for me,、um, and despite of having been born with just an average intellect, as my father would、uh, tell me,、uh, yes, I, <laughs> according to my father, that he took me and my brother and sister to get our IQ tested when we were little, and I actually sh- was shown to only have a very average IQ. Uh, comparing to my brother and sister, my older brother David, who is still at this moment trying to become a criminal mastermind、uh, and failing,、uh, was tested to have the highest IQ in the family. So my father, all those times when I was growing up, was fond of telling me, "Comparing to your brother, you are not very bright." Now, in spite of that, I've always been told by friends and other people that. I am a smart guy, but I always tell them it is not that I am smart or intelligent, but I have been through many places, many situations in my life, and what I have is experience, and maybe, just maybe, a little bit of wisdom. Now, speaking of intelligence and wisdom, here is this week's diary entry from the diary of. Previously on Johnny Tiger. Sometimes smart people can say the stupidest things. <laughs> As we discussed a while ago, wisdom and intelligence—two different things—and sometimes during our daily working environment,、uh, dealing with others. We come across some of these super intelligent people that 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 can actually be quite amazingly stupid. My own example came from time when I just finished my degree and I wanted to volunteer for a local、uh, crisis center.、Uh, to volunteer, we had to go through a six-week training program, and there were thirty of us volunteers. We have to. Do group activities and 
discussions and assignments and learn and train for six weeks together. Out of the 30, 27 were female. And there were only three of us guys. Me and another young guy and the other one, the, the third guy, he was an older Chinese dude and he had like four uh, PhDs in various counseling things. So he was totally, totally full of himself. Like he was the highest qualified person in the group and he, he had even more, he had better credentials than even the group leader, than the uh, supervisor. So the guy was basically the, the, the alpha where that was concerned and uh, totally uh, believed to be the, uh, uh, the, 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 the answer to everything, God's gift to the crisis line. And even the supervisors believed that he was in the beginning. And I remember uh, one time the group uh, where we were discussing the issues around domestic abuse and women that call the crisis line and uh, what kind of intervention we can provide and stuff like that. And out of nowhere, and it was a really somber discussion, like we were looking at case files and some of these things were really sad. And uh, out of nowhere, this uh, super smart guy with four PhD, he stood up and he said, well, this is nonsense, you know, you guys think this is so so unique and this is so uh, special, this is stupid, this is like if these women, they stay with their husband even after getting abused, then let them be abused, it's their own fault. The room just went completely silent. Like, in a group of 27 women, that was not a place, not a time, and definitely not a group you wanted to say this in. And then he was like, what? What's the matter? You guys don't agree? And, and then he turned to me and he said, Johnny can see what I mean, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? And I was like, no, 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 you know, don't, don't drag me into this, uh, no. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to get crucified alongside him. <laughs> and that was just one of many such outbursts that just so stupid from this guy. Eventually we had to uh, uh, get rid of him from the crisis center because his uh, abrasive personality and uh, his stupidity when dealing with uh, callers just astounding. It's ridiculous how someone with so many degrees in counseling can be so uh, callous and so mean. Listening to the Johnny Tiger Experience podcast, the most chaotic and fun field podcast around. Hi, I am Allison, and I am here to tell you of a great way to help out your favorite podcast. Hmm, which podcast is that? Of course, this one. 
<clears throat> Even though robot beauties like myself don't eat much, we still like to feel appreciated. Show your support by making a small monthly contribution. Go to www.patreon.com slash Johnny Tiger Experience. Again, please visit www.patreon.com slash Johnny Tiger Experience. Welcome to Guitar 
So have a good experiment. Uh, you won't get anything wrong by trying any of these chords out. You know, D to E goes nicely into other chords. Um, so yeah, just really play around with those. Uh, if you're still on the first chord or two, don't worry about this for now. It can be a bit difficult because your fingers are slightly odd angles in uh, very close proximity to each other. So, uh, if you, like always, if you have any questions and need any help, then uh, get a hold of me and I will do my best to help. I hope this has been helpful. Remember when you felt unique? Now you're coming to the end of your winning streak. Said that you'd shine, but all they ever say is you've got dark rings under your eyes. And I could open up my heart for you, and I could pull myself apart for you, and I don't know where to start with you, and I'm not sure what I can do about it and I don't want to know could make money in my sleep well well I sit at home with my pain and regret it's like there's always something I'm trying to forget well well hey hey and I could open up my heart for you it's all a song and dance to you And I don't know where to start with you Cause I'm not sure what I can do about it And I don't want to lose Cooking 101, where happy cooking leads to happier meals. Oops, crap. Hello and welcome back to Cooking 101 where I show you little cooking tips and tricks and sometimes share with recipes with the rest of you. Although, so close to uh, after eating all that turkey, I guess uh, cooking probably not on a lot of people's mind. But I did get a message from uh, Roach Dude asking how to make tofu dishes. So this episode, we are going to talk a little bit about tofu. Although, technically, there are hundreds or thousands of recipes 
of ways to use tofu so there's no way for us to cover all of them. But I will give you a couple of ideas in this uh, episode and we will uh, go from there. First thing to understand about tofu is uh, the fundamental about tofu is whatever dish you are making that require meat, generally you can substitute meat with tofu and it will turn out just as good, uh, if not better in some cases. Uh, and second is to know what kind of dish you're making and know what kind of tofu to buy. Now, the, generally speaking, the four kind of tofu, uh, probably a lot more, but uh, in general terms, you have uh, your firm, your medium, your soft. Sometimes you will see extra firm, sometimes you will see extra soft. And also there is a kind of tofu that Chinese people buy particularly more often called the silken tofu. Uh, it comes in a tube and uh, when it's inside the tube it looks kind of like a, a really thick sausage, uh, like one of those farmer sausage thing. Uh, but it's really really soft and that, that is my favorite, personal favorite tofu. Uh, it's used in a lot of Chinese dishes. Most tofu is best to uh, pack dry or press dry before cooking. So once we buy our tofu, we get it out of the container. What we'll do, we slice it up into chunks. Uh, don't slice it too small. Keep it around, I would say, one inch pieces. And gently, don't crush it, but uh, press it dry with a paper napkin and then set the tofu on the plate and then they are ready for cooking. You don't have to season them or marinate them generally but uh, you can if you want. Now I'll give you two different ways of cooking with uh, tofu and we'll start with these. First is to use them to replace uh, your pork or beef or fish in stir fry. Although technically you don't have to unless you're vegan and they can in they can uh, you can add tofu in with the meat not uh, you don't have to replace the meat with the tofu uh, I quite often cook tofu and meat in the same dish um, usually when you are replacing meat with tofu or have tofu as a main body of the dish it's good to have the tofu on the crispy side, so it gives you more textural feedback, uh, it gives the dish a better texture. In this case, we would need to either deep fry the tofu, or what I do is I bake the tofu ahead of time to make it nice and crispy, and then you can add it to your stir fry later. So after we press the tofu dry, we will combine in a bowl uh, one tablespoon of olive oil, one tablespoon of soy sauce, and one tablespoon of cornstarch. Make sure the cornstarch is uh, mixed in well and not all lumpy. Now take your chunks of tofu and uh, roll each individual chunk in the mixture and arrange them on a cookie sheet. Preheat your oven to 400 degrees uh, F and then 
bake your tofu in there for 25 minutes, and the tofu will come out nice and crispy and flavorful, and ready to be added to any meat dishes. There's also another recipe uh, quite popular in Chinese restaurant. Uh, it's called uh, ground beef, spicy tofu and ground beef. And I will give you the recipe for that as well right now. For this recipe, you will need uh, uh, half a pound of ground beef or ground pork if you prefer that. Heck, you can probably use ground chicken. I never used ground chicken, so I wouldn't know. But I, I don't see why not. Uh, you will need two uh, stalks of green onion. You will need half a head of garlic. You will need ginger and chili pepper to taste. I add a lot of chili pepper in this dish because it's supposed to be really spicy. Chop up the ginger and chili pepper and green onion and mix them in a small dish set on the side. And then chop up your garlic into a separate dish. In a hot uh, pre preheated skillet, uh, throw in three tablespoons of oil. I use coconut oil, but you can use olive oil as well. Fry the garlic until it's starting to crisp up and then throw in the ground meat and fry it until it's starting to brown. Uh, about, I would say five minutes and uh, medium high heat. At this point, carefully add a cup of water to the pan or skillet and throw in the chopped up chunks of tofu. Also add in two tablespoons of uh, vinegar, two tablespoons of soy sauce, and a little bit of water mixed with cornstarch. After that, in, turn the uh, heat down to medium and put a lid on the pan and let it simmer there for five minutes. After that, take off the lid and throw in your ginger and green onion and chili pepper mixture. Uh, make sure they are mixed in and cook for another three minutes. And this will be ready to serve. It should have a kind of a quite a tang, sour and spicy tang to it. It's quite delicious when you serve it uh, over rice. Uh, for those of you who like sauerkraut, you can actually add sauerkraut to this dish as a, as a garnish and it's really, really good. Or those of you who are familiar with the Korean kimchi, you can add those as well as garnish. As I said, there are a lot of ways to prepare tofu and there's just no way for us to cover all of them. But these two little tips should give you some idea next time you think about doing the healthy thing when you're doing your grocery shopping. As usual, happy cooking, happy meal, and have a good day.
the following commercial contains some strong language and suggestions of a sexual nature. If you are under the legal age or are easily offended, please skip forward two minutes. Now, right now. Still here? Okay then, here we go. And now, a word from our sponsor. Welcome to the rail. Are you looking for love? Oh yeah, we've got love. What is it that you like about my tits? You have construction tits. I sure do enjoy snacking on the pink velvet meat curtains. He masturbated in my inbox. Oh my lord. Are you looking for peace and tranquility? We got plenty of that too. You are nobody to me. I don't know you, but if I know anything about Mexican men, is that they are only out for one thing. So listen, Fleabag, leave me alone and stop messaging me or I'm going to mute you. I think you're full of shit, to be honest. I don't like how you talk about women. I was raised by a woman. I got a daughter and all that nigga. Fuck you, nigga. Fuck all that, you heard me? You bitch. I hope you know that it's only gonna get worse for you. What you did to me was not good and you will pay for it. Or are you looking to extend the hand of friendship? You all either fucking get along with me on here or mute me, or guess what? I will just fucking disappear and never fucking come on here ever again. Don't mind me, I'm using the restroom. I apologize. I normally don't do this on a question, but I wanted to get my feelings out. I'm obese. Would you sit next to me on a plane? Get on my thread, follow the rules. Smack that ass thread. All chatter, no text. So, if you're just looking to bone your way through a bunch of visually impaired bitches and hoes, or just wish to cast judgement on somebody for having a speech impediment, why not get Varail today? Varail is available from the Apple and Android app stores, no purchase necessary. When I was little, my mom who was uh, pretty much addicted to shopping. She could shop every day, like, you know, in the same shopping center for four or five hours a day. She was just that much into shopping. She would always take me with her. And then when she going into the store, like the actual store, she would find a bench outside at the shopping center. Like, like, you know, in, in the walkway, and said, sit here, wait for me, please. And I would sit there, being really, really bored, and wondering, man, when will this day ever end? Back then, there was no iPhone. Back then, there was no Game Boy. There was no handheld uh, video game device. Uh, I didn't even have a Walkman at the time, as I remember. I, my first Walkman uh, didn't happen until grade 6, elementary school. So the only thing I could do was sit there and daydream, pretty much, and get cranky. So as I got older, I started to be a bit rebellious. So one day, I finally said to my mom, so look, if you just want to, you know, take me out shopping with you and then park me at the bench <clears throat> whenever you go into the store, you don't need me. 
Like, why don't you just leave me at home? Now then, at least I can do my thing, and you can do yours, and you know you're not wasting my time. It felt totally right saying that at the time, but my mom said to me, she said, "Well, I I just hate the thought of leaving you home alone. I, I thought, you know, you would." You know, I I thought I thought you would like to get out of the house with with me. Now, my mom's never been a very uh, expressive person.、Uh, she's not very good at expressing what she wanted to say. So it kind of flew past my head what she actually meant at the time, and you know,、uh, I thought she was saying she's doing me a favor. So I got even more rebellious. I got even more angry. I said, "Please don't do me that favor. All you do is you're wasting my time when you park me on the bench all day long, and you know I'm not interested in the kind of things you're shopping for, and you are not interested to going anywhere, you know, to shop for the things I want to shop for. So that's no point." It's not until many, many years later, when I was an adult and when I went shopping with her, again, that I suddenly realized, all this time, I have been so selfish. I, I always thought it was about me. I always thought that she, when she said she wanted to take me out of the house and. Uh, to, uh, so I could be with her. I always thought it was always about Johnny, the blind child. I never thought it was really a large part of it was about her. For her to shop at the same place day in and day out, she was lonely. This thought hit me like a sledgehammer, and I felt really ashamed. How? Selfish, how self-centered, how spoiled I was as a child. That I never thought that my mom wanted me there, even though she just mostly parked me on the bench. But she still wanted me there so she could see me every time she looked out of the store. She could see her son there. She wanted me there so, in her own fashion. She could spend more time with her only child. The moral of the story is: it is not always just about us. Another episode of Night Strike 101, where I talk about martial arts and self-defense-related topics. Today, I want to talk a little bit about some of the things、uh, that are most important to make a good blind fighter. 
Now we, we all know that blind people can grapple, so I'm not going to dabble on that too much today. Although what I talk about today do apply to grappling and striking both. It doesn't matter how many different moves you know, what kind of self-defense moves you know. It doesn't make a damn bit of difference if you don't train your muscles, if you don't have the muscles to deliver them. That's, oh, that would be akin to you having the best garden in the world, but you don't have ammunition. So power is one of the chief factor in making a blind person a good fighter, more important so than a sighted fighter, because a sighted fighter can afford to dance around and chip away at their uh, opponents. They can look for the best entry, they can look for loopholes to exploit. A blind person have a harder time with that. So when you hit something, when you kick someone, it has to count. That one punch has to make the score even. That one punch has to pretty much be the equalizer. Whatever you hit must go down. That is number one trick in being a good fighter when you're blind. The other person can hit you 10 times, but if you can get in one good shot, then that's good. You get to walk home safe. Another important thing is, and this may be the most important thing when you're fighting blind, is your ability to react. Now reaction time is a little bit different from speed, although speed too is very important, but reaction is probably the most important factor when you're blind. Because you, when you're blind, you are mostly fighting defensively. And the only way for you to go on the offense is to capitalize on your reaction time. As soon as that punch comes at your face, as soon as you feel the contact being made, your head goes back, dump most of the shock. As soon as you feel that kick come in, you step away from it or step into the person to dump most of that uh, uh, pressure. As soon as someone grab you, you know instinctually what to do. As soon as someone shoot, out, shoot in for your legs, you know to sprawl forward to counter that double leg takedown. Everything is reaction because you can't see it coming. Now I wouldn't talk about speed, and this is actually the main thing today. How do you train speed and what is fast? I'm not the fastest person in the world. Nowhere near. I'm not the fastest fighter in the world. But I can guarantee you that I have trained my speed to the point that I'm faster than most of the novice fighters outside of professional fighting. And because I had to do it. Why? Because it doesn't make sense to have that good reaction 
but have slow speed. Okay, someone shooting for your leg. Now you know, okay, I got to dive forward to sprawl to counter that. But you're moving too slowly. That, so by the time you react to it, by the time you move, then, no. You're already down on the floor, being pummeled. So uh, let's say a punch comes. Okay, you react by leaning your head back, but you don't have the speed to counter. Then you're going to just, all you do is set yourself up for the next punch. So what we are looking for is when you react, your speed drives your counter move. You are always two or three moves ahead of your opponent. That is how you are going to beat a sighted person in the conflict. It's by having the speed, the reflect, uh, the, the reaction, the strength they don't have. Because they have something you don't have. They have the ability to see you coming. They have the ability to stand back and watch while you try to figure out what they are going to do. Back when I was uh, a white belt at karate, um, my sensei told us a story. He said that back in the ancient time, there were two karate masters that met in the middle of nowhere for a fight, you know, to settle some matter of honor. One instructor was a lot smaller than the other guy. So the other guy was very confident that he would win the fight. So he stood in front of the small guy and uh, was uh, taunting him, telling him how scrawny he is, that he, would, he wouldn't stand a chance, that, that he probably would uh, kill him with his first punch. And the next thing he knew, the small guy jumped up in the air and punched him in the face three times before his feet touched the ground. Those three punches caved in the bigger guy's face. Now when I was listening to that story, I, I used to think that is not possible. How can a guy throw three punches like that just from a casual jump? Um, it took me years to get to the point where I could do that. So now I will give you guys a demonstration of how fast is fast when you have to do that. When you jump up and have to perform moves in midair, like you see or hear about on TV, people jump up and do all kinds of fancy moves before landing. I'm not, a, I'm not a genius, so I'm not going to do somersault or stuff like that but I'm going to uh, do punches. Now, since you can't see what I'm doing, I'm going to make this a little bit video game-like. So when I jump, I'm going to make a sound, and then you can hear me land. So when I jump, I'm going to go, and that's the sound landing. Right? That's me doing a jump. Normally, I don't make that kind of noise. But for your benefit, I'm uh, forcing to jump like a video game character. Okay, so again, jump in. 
Now, with punches. How many times was that? You can count that yourself. I can't kick that fast, but when I jump at the target, I can usually pull off two to three successful, successive kick before landing. Now you may think that, what's the point of that? You're not going to jump and do that in a fight. But, if we apply this speed to anything we do in a fight, someone take me down. Within that time, if I have this kind of speed in jumping, I also have the speed to roll, recover, and counter when someone tackle me and throw me. Within the one second that I'm falling down, I'm already performing two or three moves. Let's say I'm in a tussle with somebody and we are really close quarters. Like, you know, one of those really close quarter, dirty, scrapping fight. And I somehow managed to get one hand loose from their grasp. With the speed I have, I'm able, just for that one split second, and I get my arm free, I can pull my knife from my pocket and end the conflict right there. So this is the importance of speed for a blind fighter. Be safe out there and have a good day.
welcome back to another episode of Blaze 101, where we discuss sharp, interesting, fun toys like swords and knives and axes and chainsaws and all that fun stuff. So today I want to talk a little bit about staying in motion in a knife fight. Now this technically applies to any kind of fighting,、uh, but there are things to、uh, work on in. Particularly when you are using bladed weapons, and in this case, daggers, knives, they have their very particular techniques that we should take a look at. As usual, I need to stress the danger of a knife fight, especially when you are blind, because knife fight is not like fist fight. Fist fight, you can take a few punches and you still may、uh, win in the end of the day. With a knife fight, you can't say, "Okay, I'll let him stab me a few times so I know where he is." Okay, usually one stab, and you're dead. Yes, you may be able to take your opposition with you, and but that doesn't accomplish anything for anybody. So for the most part, when we talk about knife fighting, we are looking at this from a theoretical and educational and recreational point of view.、Uh, it's not that I'm、uh, learning this so I can go out and challenge random passerby to a knife fight or to a duel. Okay,、uh, I'm looking at this. From the point of view that we have to understand how knife fighters work, so if we run into a trouble on the street one day, how to best、uh, anticipate what may go down? So, know thy enemy, know thyself, all that stuff. Anyway, enough、uh, rambling. <laughs>、um, <clears throat> one thing about、uh, knife fighting. Like any kind of physical combat, and a lot of the time I see blind fighters make this mistake: is to stay very static,、uh, to be able to compensate for the lack of sight. It is vitally important to always stay in motion so your sighted、uh, opponents cannot anticipate and cannot just simply hold, stand back and. Wait for the best opening. The、so、one thing that a lot of people might have seen done on TV or in books with knife fighters is we are constantly、uh, switching grips on the knife. Now that may look like a bit of Hollywood trickery uh, and uh, just for fancy stuff, but it is not. There is a reason. Why we are doing that? Because if I hold the knife in one way, it's let's say I hold it in the saber grip, in the forward grip only all the time, then my angles of attack is limited. My angles of attack is predictable. I'll either come from the shoulder, right shoulder, or I come from the left shoulder. I'll come from the right、uh, mid torso, or I come from the left mid torso. I'm a stab from the hip,、uh, or I may、uh, I may stab straight on from solar plex. Beyond that, there's very few possibilities for this grip. So, as experienced fighter, will know that when I hold this knife in this position, I will come from these angles only. It's、uh, have very limited possibility. But if I was to start from a forward grip and After an attack, I'm able to switch the knife seamlessly 
and this is the key word here, seamlessly, into a commando grip, that opens up maybe 6 to 12 more new angles of attack and forces my opponent to have to suddenly deal with the new possibilities. And let's say I deliver an attack from the uh, commando grip and then suddenly switch to push dagger grip and that opened up another 3 or 4 possibilities. And let's say after I switch to push dagger grip, I slap the knife into my left hand back into saber grip. Now my opponent is forced to think of my attack coming from completely opposite angle. So it's almost like playing chess. It's a continuous mind game, uh, at least in the sport setting. In the real setting, of course, the first person who scores a hit probably is going to win. Uh, but in the sports setting, in the sparring setting, uh, it is very important to stay in that constant motion because you will always try to outguess each other, uh, to try to uh, block and cut and counter. So, with a training knife, you can work on this yourself. First, hold the knife in forward saber grip and then I will flick my wrist and let go of the knife. Now, the knife should pivot in my hand and drop downward. And all I have to do is close my hand at the right moment. And I have it in a commando grip. Similarly, starting from the commando grip, if I flick my wrist up and let go of the knife, the knife will pivot upward and all I have to do is wait for the right moment when it's at the right angle and I close my hand and I have it back in saber grip. If I flick my wrist forward and let go of the knife for that brief instant, it will dance between my fingers and turn into the push dagger grip. From push dagger grip, I, flick, I flex my wrist inward and the knife will pivot towards me and I close my hand and now we have the commando grip again. From the commando grip, if I uh, flick my wrist inside, the knife will spin back into saber grip. Now, how to pass the knife from hand to hand? You don't want to do it in front of your opponent's face, obviously. So you usually want to do that at the end of your attack. So uh, you don't want to start your attack by switching hand because when you're switching hand, there is a brief instance where your knife is not being used for defense or attack. It's being switched hand. So that is not a good time. The good time is, let's say I do a slash. Number one slash, right shoulder to left hip. And at the end of my slash, my left hand, the knife is right now in my right hand. So at the end of my slash, my knife hilt and around my left hip. My left hand will deliver a palm strike or a fist to my opponent. And on its return arc, my left hand will travel down my right arm and grab the knife from my right hand in holding it now in commando grip. And let's say I go in, I follow through, I deliver a commando stab from forehead to chin down with my left hand. At the bottom of my arc, my right hand will come up and cross my left hand at the wrist and from here, exchange the knife into my right hand and 
it's ready in the saber grip again. I can also switch this knife behind me. Let's say I do a number one slash the knife in my right hand. So cutting from right shoulder to left hip, the knife now ending around my left hip area. And again, I will cut across from left hip to right hip with my right hand. And my left hand this at this point will snake behind my back to get ready for the switch. So when I cut my knife back to the right, I will pull it back to my own kidney and my left hand will take over the hilt uh, from the right hand and the knife is now behind me, out of sight. So my opponent had no idea which side the knife is going to come from in the next attack. So try this out on your own. Practice switching from one grip to another, to the third, and the switch hand, and switch hand, and switch hand, and then try to switch grip, switch hand, switch grip, switch hand. After that, you can practice by adding your footwork. So, from right shoulder to left hip, knife in right hand, we'll do a number one strike, right shoulder to left hip, while stepping from six o'clock to one o'clock. As, as my foot touches one o'clock on, uh, on the dial, I'm already switching my grip to commando. So the knife now come back up as commando grip, and I'm going to do a commando stab up from the forehead to chin while stepping back to six o'clock and then punch the knife into my left hand and cut from left to right from six o'clock stepping to nine o'clock switching grip to commando in left hand and stepping from shoulder downward and stepping to 12 o'clock now facing the opposite way and switch the knife back to right hand so add your own footwork so you know that when you're under stress you can uh, switch grip, you can switch hand without dropping that knife. As usual, please be safe when you're practicing with sharp objects. Be responsible and have fun. I remember a while ago, a student asked me this question. He said, Everything's so hard when I'm training. I get tired, I feel discouraged because I'm so weak, and will things ever get easy? Will, will it get to a point that things are easy? Now, I imagine there are a lot of people out there who are new to fitness, new to martial arts, and may ask this question. So, I'm going to take this chance and answer that for you. Um, unfortunately, I have a good news and a bad news for you, so I'll give you the bad news first. The bad news is, no, it should never get easy. Note, I said should. I'm not saying that it won't ever get easy, but I say it should never get easy. The reason being that when we're working out, when we're building muscles, when we're building skills, we are 
constantly pushing the bar. We're constantly reaching for higher, higher ground. So if you find that doing 10 push-ups is hard today, and you keep at it, a month later, 10 push-ups may be easy. But then you want to move on to 15 or 20 push-ups and 30 push-ups. In a year, doing 50 push-ups will be easy, so you'll be doing 100 push-ups. So it should never be easy because when you're working out, uh, you either go forward or you plateau and eventually you lose it. So just because doing 10 push-ups is enough for you today, that doesn't mean that you keep doing that and then 10 years later you're still doing 10 push-ups every day. That's not going to be enough. You have to constantly moving forward. You can't afford to get uh, complacent and say, okay, I'm just going to do what's comfortable, what's easy. The whole point is not supposed to be easy. So yeah, bad news, it should never be easy. Even for people like myself who's been doing this for 20, 30 years, it's still not easy. Uh, I remember that uh, when I first gone back to training full-time and competing and uh, fighting um, and all that stuff, I felt that, um, you know, it's okay. It's hard now, but two years later, it will be easy. Well, two years later, it still wasn't easy because my trainer just kept giving me harder and harder things to do. So, yeah, don't make it seem like that it will get easy one day because if it's easy then you're probably doing it wrong it shouldn't be easy now the good news now we have the good news the good news is that you will learn to love it you will enjoy the challenge you will grow to want to push that bar yourself because in the end you're doing it for yourself and you will see the benefit from it. You will know the benefit, you will feel the benefit, you'll feel better, you'll feel stronger, faster, you'll feel healthier. So when that happens, you yourself will want to reach for higher ground, want to reach for the next bar. So being easy will no longer be something that you're concerned with. And with that, let's check out today's Fitness 101, where we work hard and play harder. Welcome back to another Fitness 101. Yes, my favorite topics, at least one of my favorite topics. Um, here is where I share little workout tips and drills and things that we used in the studio to train fighters to how to be faster, stronger, and have better endurance and be more explosive. These are mostly unconventional workouts that you might have not heard of before and would be really awesome to incorporate into your daily routine. Now, spider push-up. A lot of people never heard of this before. How do you do spider push-ups? In some ways, it's actually an easier form of push-ups. And I'm going to show you right here. So, put on the phone. So, we get into the standard push-up position. We're on our toes and our hand. I'm going to take my left foot 
and move it all the way up. Those of you who've done mountain climbers before, you know it's like the first step of mountain climber. So I take my left foot and step up so my knee is right by my left elbow. Alright, so I'm still in the push-up position but with one leg up toward my left hand, my left foot, my left knee is right by my left elbow. Actually right now my left knee, my left elbow they're touching each other. Okay, so now that stays there. And then I'm going to take my right hand and move my right hand forward for about a foot. So now I'm extended on my right side and my left side is scrunched in. This is the starting position. I'm going to turn my face to the left, so look left when you're in this position. And then I'm going to do a push-up only on my right side. So bend my right arm until I can touch my right cheek to the floor. And then push up. Again, right cheek to the floor. Push up. Again, right cheek to the floor. Push up. And then like you can do 10 of these on one side. And then I'm going to switch sides. So bring my right hand in. Bring my left foot back down. And then now I bring my right leg up. So my right knee is by my right hand. Or my right elbow. And now I'm going to move my left hand up a foot. So my left side is extended. My right side is scrunched in. Look to the right. Now we do push up, bring my left cheek to the ground. Again, left cheek to the ground, push up. Left cheek to the ground, push up. Left cheek to the ground, push up. And when you get really good at this, you can do one and then switch side, do one, switch side, like this. I'm gonna start with the left. Left cheek to the ground, push up, switch. Right cheek to the ground, push up, switch. Left cheek to the ground, push up, switch. Right cheek to the ground, push up, switch. Now that is a little bit more tiring and you'll need to uh, be a little, more, a little bit more advanced to carry that off. But it is a really good exercise and quite different from conventional push-up. This kind of push-up work a lot on your balance and your shoulder muscle. And it's a good uh, break away from your normal push-up routine. Anyway, that's the tip for today. <laughs> See you guys later. Have a good workout. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Johnny Tiger, your host. When I was growing up, I went to many different dojo, learned many different martial arts under many different senseis. And most of them sounded like this. But only at Richmond Martial Arts 
when I walk into this. Hey. <laughs> Just in case I give you a fright. There you go. Thanks. Hi, how are you? I'm um, alright, how are you? I'm uh, I'm alive. Hi Johnny! Hey! Hey Johnny, how are you? Jose. Hey, how are you? Good. Lots of people there. How's it going Johnny? How are you Johnny? Yeah, alright. Any dojo can take your money and agree to train you. But not many of them will treat you like family. Want to realize your dreams? Want to train in a friendly, professional and encouraging environment? Contact Richmond Martial Arts today at 604-241-7624. Again, that life-changing number is 604-241-7624. Visit us at http colon slash slash www dot r i c h m o n d k i c k s dot com slash that's http colon slash slash www dot richmond kicks dot com slash mention the johnny tiger experience podcast for your free trial class This is Captain Lo-Fi. Catch the wind with me now and set sail through a moment of my life on the ocean that is all of life. Today is December 21st, 2017. In the Northern Hemisphere, today is the first day of winter, the shortest day of the year. On this day in 1983, an ice storm moved determinedly down from the northeastern United States toward the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. In that city, in a children's hospital named for the city, in the neonatal critical care unit, in a bassinet, my son Michael lay in a chemically induced coma fighting for his life. On this, his 13th day on earth, he struggled to oxygenate his blood as best he could. He had aspirated meconium during his birth and that said aspiration scarred his lungs such that they weren't able to provide oxygen to his bodily systems 
The medical staff induced his chemical coma and gave him such oxygen as they could via a shunt in the hopes that his lungs would heal themselves and he would eventually breathe on his own. Outside his personal struggle, there were good days when the medical staff said that his readings were good and he appeared to be, quote, doing better, end quote. And there were bad days when the doctors had to tell us that he, quote, might not make it, end quote. On this, the 13th day, as the ice storm neared the city, an angel standing by was moved with compassion for Michael's suffering. The angel whispered into the foggy soup that was at once his dream life and waking consciousness, a perfect idea. The perfect idea was, grow invisible wings, boy, and fly home. The idea reverberated throughout Michael's being. In his non-verbal capacity for understanding, he knew the doctors, his family, everyone else, was calling him in a different direction. They wanted him to break the surface, to attain to consciousness, to see light, to live life, to experience the planet Earth. But now there was a second option given him. Grow invisible wings and fly home. Within his microcosmic immediacy, he struggled to imagine how he might find resources for developing these invisible wings. He settled on his lungs. It occurred to him how they racked him with pain, but they still wouldn't work. He finally resolved to leave off the effort with his lungs and concentrate on his invisible wings. The wings shuddered into existence. They grew almost immediately. Completely undetected by all the medical instruments in the room, they became the new focus of his existence. The doctor told his mother and me, he's not doing well at all. We're trying to get him to resume breathing. They tried and tried with the paddles, completely unaware of what was going on inside his world. The invisible wings finally thrust his consciousness his spirit 
his whole being up through the top of his head. The strange heat of his going warmed the teardrops on my face as he flew up, up, through the ceiling in the room, through the subsequent floors, out into the ice storm, now raining sleet and snow over the city, and on up into the vastness of the sky. He is flying home now. If his home is in God, and if God is infinite, he is always home. If his home is in God, and God is omnipresent, he is always arriving and always experiencing the joy of reunion. And one day, when my body is no longer able to support itself, he will return for me, his father. He will whisper to me that perfect idea, and I will grow invisible wings, and I will follow him home. Mekimaru, without this, I'd never had been able to escape the Fuma clan. Wielding such a sword requires the greatest of care. Hmm. I had some idea, but I never expected Soul Edge and Mekimaru would fuse together this well. However, this power is so intense. Can I control it? <laughs> I finally found you, Taki. Geki? Have you been watching me? Mekimaru belongs to Master Toki. Hand it over! So Mekimaru still wasn't safe. This sword must not fall into Toki's hands. Watch your mouth! It's Master Toki to you! <laughs> not anymore, it isn't. Why do you still follow him even though he's lost his mind? <laughs> You're getting sloppy, Taki. I don't know what you did to that sword, but it's taking its toll, no? I'll be taking it from you now. Welcome back to this week's action figure review. Background music is uh, from the Namco series of video games called uh, Soul Calibur, or more specifically, this is the soundtrack for the character Taki from the first Soul Calibur series, aka Soul Blade or Soul Edge. Awesome video game, by the way. Um, now, we are not reviewing an action figure of Taki, the character, but why am I using Taki's music? Because the character we are reviewing tonight is uh, very much from the same stereotype anime kind of character. Uh, bad, badass demon hunter chick uh, with huge weapon and huge ego and uh, just a killer body. So uh, since I couldn't find any sound clip or any uh, audio file, 
on the specific character, I thought、uh, Taki going to make a good stand-in because I imagine if the goddess ever had a character in the cartoon or in the video game, she would probably sound and act a lot like Taki from the Soul Calibur series. The goddess here. It was released in November of 1997, so this is quite a vintage action figure,、uh, going in for an arm and a leg on eBay in some situation, because it has achieved that vintage status. It was made by Todd Toy or McFarlane, as a lot of us old-time collectors know him by. Todd McFarlane revolutionized the action figure in the mid-90s. Pushing the action figure to become more detailed and bigger, and much more adult-friendly. He was known for his、uh, Spawn line of action figures. Some of you might have even watched the Spawn movie back in the、uh, mid-90s. The Spawn line of action figures was known to be super detailed. A lot larger than action figures of the time, and too dark for children. The goddess came from Spawn series nine, which was called Manga Spawn. Manga Spawn was a series where McFarlane took his original characters and gave them a Japanese anime、uh, depiction. So, as、uh, the Original cast: Spawn and Violator and Angela、uh, and various other characters got、uh, retooled and redesigned to look like characters out of、uh, anime or manga.、Uh, manga means Japanese comic, I think.、Um, by the way, I'm not quite sure about the pronunciation. Is it manga or is it manga? Maybe some of you fellow geeks out there can let me know. Uh, because I I never did figure this one out for sure. Okay, now onto the manga Spawn series goddess. Some people call her Manga Angela, but officially she's just known as the goddess. She is an imposing seven and a half inches tall,、uh, gorgeous female action figure. Now McFarlane has always produced really gorgeous action figures. Uh, for his、uh, female characters, and this is no exception. The goddess wears a purple bodysuit with gold armor accents. She's sporting an like an armored breastplate slash bikini combo、uh, with a bird-like helmet,、uh, wings on her back, the and、um, feathers. Coming out of her hips, and she's wearing huge spiked armor boots and gauntlets. She definitely looks like the kind of character that's going to、uh, kick some serious demon asses,、uh, and that's basically what she does. She's a demon hunter. The helmet is removable, and underneath, depending on the version you get. Uh, she either come with long, rooted, red hair.、Uh, there are versions that come with brown hair or black hair. 
but most versions come with rooted red hair. There are also versions out there with short red hair or short black hair as well. There is an exclusive version of the goddess that comes with metallic-looking paint job and totally articulated wings. Her wings are pink and they are huge. the The wings themselves are probably、uh, four inches from end to end each. So one problem with the goddess is her giant wings, kind of. Make her want to fall backward. <laughs>、uh, luckily, she comes with an equally massive weapon in her hand. So once you put the weapon in her hand,、uh, that will help balance off、uh, those giant wings. The weapon is a bladed staff、uh, or spear kind of uh, weapon. Uh, it is over ten inches long. On the one end, it has a spring-loaded A、uh, three-bladed tip that can, once you depress the button, it fires out like a missile. <laughs>、uh, and the other end has a red ribbon,、uh, an actual real ribbon, like、uh, attached to it, and also、uh, another three-bladed、uh, spinning blade thing attached to the other end. So this is a really awesome-looking weapon, and、uh, the goddess can definitely hold it、uh, and look really, really awesome posing with it. The action figure has the following articulations: neck joint,、uh, maybe articulated wings if you get the exclusive version, but otherwise the wings just、uh, stay in one position. Uh, cut joint elbow, cut joint shoulder, swivel wrist, cut joint hip, cut joint knees. So, not the most articulated action figure, but for the standard back in、uh, the mid 90s, it was actually quite good. The plastic used for the manga spawn line is also very different from the standard spawn action figures,、uh, unlike. The regular spawn action figures that feel like really hard plastic, the manga spawn action figures come with much more vinyl-feeling plastic、uh, to make them even feel very authentic. Because a lot of Japanese imports are made from this kind of softer vinyl-feeling plastic. Overall, I think this. Is a line of really awesome action figures、uh, on top of an already very awesome line.、Uh, the Spawn line in the mid 90s was as good as action figures could get, and the manga Spawns, which came in two series, Spawn 9 and I believe Spawn 10.、Uh, series 9 and 10 were both manga series, and both series have some really awesome looking. Characters and、uh, really imaginative designs. Thanks for checking out today's review, and I will let Taki、uh, see you guys out. Hokoji Temple is nearby. The aura is overpowering.
ambush? Yeki, you're possessed by Gallo Fury. Gallo Fury, this ends now. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hey Bloop, have you heard about this new text-based RPG online? I have. I believe I know which one you're talking about. It's called Cyber Assault, and it's available at cyberassault.org. Is that the one you're talking about, Leap? Yes, it's really, really cool. And I like it a lot because it's a game that's set in the future where nuclear apocalypse is happening. How exciting, a nuclear apocalypse. We've seen a lot of nuclear apocalypses in our time. However, this text-based RPG is the most accurate game of all time. Very cool. Yes, and it has a cool character class that you can actually choose from, including Borg, Stalker, Caller, Crazy, and Mercenary. I really like the Borg. Reminds me of my robotic mother. Very cool. Very, very cool video game. One more time, Bleep. What's the website? www.cyberassault.org. Check it out. It's free, so do it. You do anything for free these days? Goodbye. A little boy was sitting in the middle of the sidewalk playing with a dog turd. A postman came by and asked him, Hey little boy, what are you doing? The little boy said, I am making a postman. The postman didn't look very happy at all when he walked away. A few minutes later, an old lady came by and said, Hello little boy, what are you doing? I am making an old lady, said the little boy. Well, said the old lady very pissed off. So she went down the street and talked to a policeman about this. The policeman, nonplussed, walked up to the little boy. Hey little guy, tell me, you are making a policeman, right? No, said the little boy. I don't have enough shit for that. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Kids say the darndest thing. <laughs> Uh, well, look at that. We are at the end of the show, or at the end of this episode, not the show. Um, before we end the episode, as usual, I want to give a shout-out. And this time, the shout-out go to another podcast. Although the Johnny Tiger Experience podcast is always going to be the po best podcast. Excuse me. Um, but I would like to draw your attention to the Blind Alive podcast. If you are interested in more fitness-related topics for the blind, go to blindalive.com forward slash podcast. That's blind, B-L-I-N-D, alive, A-L-I-V-E dot com forward slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T and check them out. With that, we come to the end of episode 59. Thank you so much for being here with us. Hopefully we will see you guys a few more times before Christmas. As usual, any comment, feedback, uh, request, 
ask me anything questions, go to johnnytiger at shaw.ca. That's J-O-H-N-N-Y-T-I-G-E-R at S-H-A-W dot C-A. You can also find more Johnny Tiger content and our Patreon info uh, if you want to support the show uh, with a monthly donation, $1, $2, it's all up to you. Go to johnnytiger.com. That's J-O-H-N-N-Y-T-I-G-E-R dot com. You can also find me on Facebook, YouTube, and other social media platforms. Today's intro song was called Scarlet Ribbon, and today's ending song called Angel. And both songs were written, performed by Your Truly and The Cat Band. For album purchase info, write to, again, johnnytiger at shaw.ca. I will see you guys in the next episode. Shines upon your head. Are you awake or deep in your dream? Are you still here with me? The night can be long, it's dark or wrong. The wind may be howling. Like the ghost in our heart Don't be afraid Cause you know I'm here Believe in me, my friend You used to say that you knew There were angels in the stars But there must be The sky may be falling, the water may rise, your heart may be tired after fighting for so long. Just hold on your hand, and I will be there, gently lifting the weight off of your shoulder. No